A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome, everybody, again to Ramdas Here and Now podcast. And I'm Raghu Marcus, and I'm going to just uh, get to a little bit of what this uh, particular podcast talk from Ramdas is about. Uh, but first, I want to talk again about better help, and you've been hearing about it in the last uh, podcasts. Uh, they are a fairly new sponsor, so uh, BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is a professional counseling service, and it's done securely online, and it's really wonderful in these times, as I've said before, when it's so very difficult to find somebody who's available because of the stress we've all been under for the last year and a half. And this service brings you fairly immediate help and uh, in a very convenient way and affordable and you get matched up uh, with the particular expertise you need and uh, I'm just delighted that we're getting the feedback that uh, this is is really working and so uh, as a listener you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash ramdas and I, I'm, I'm really happy, you know, they're obviously serving two purposes. One, they're helping support the network, which has grown a lot and has a, needs a lot of support financially. And then at the same time, it's helping whoever it is that needs to have uh, some uh, therapeutic chat. And we all need to have that, even if it's not like a huge problem that's going on or huge anxiety or huge de depression. Just being able to talk to somebody is a real boon and get out what it is that's inside us that we haven't been able to share. So betterhelp.com slash Ramdas. Okay. Oh, so this uh, excerpt from a talk Ramdas gave in September of 1980 at Chapel Hill, Texas. I thought Chapel Hill was in North Carolina. Uh, but actually, when you start listening to this, don't think that it's bad audio. There's a tr These are the biggest crickets that I've heard in a long time, and a lot of them. So I guess that's, they have that in Texas. Everything's a little bit bigger there. The gist of this talk is about miracles. And Ramdas tells a whole pile of miracle stories that he's been told over the years, or primarily, actually, uh, the years that he spent in India, the two different times he went there when Maharaji was in his body. And he basically, 
I mean, he says, and the truth really is, that miracle stories, well, they play with your mind about what, what's, what is reality. We have a fixed idea of what reality is, and these miracles, now, many of which Ramdas was reporting, there were miracles that were told to him as actually as he collected, and he and others collected stories for Miracle of Love, which, by the way, I got to say, is out in Spanish now, just came out. So uh, if you have any friends that um, speak Spanish, that's a perfect opportunity to hear some of these stories in your native tongue. So I think it's called Milagro de Amor, right? Anyhow, so yes, these stories were told to him, but there's many stories that happened to all of us that when we were with the Neem Karoli Baba. And... Uh, and basically, what from my point of view, aside from the wonder of it, and yes, aside from the, it just completely gets you out of this fixed idea of what reality is. It breaks down your mind. You can no longer believe that what you think is is the, is real, what or, or believe in what you think at all. Never mind if it's real or not. Uh, it just. All emotions, all of it, it becomes subtext to uh, a, um, a separate reality. Take that from Don Juan. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it just leads you to know, uh, Ramdas says, it's all possible and not the way you think it should be. Because many times, you know, there's stories of, of Maharaji people coming to him and saying so so and so is is about to die they're very very sick and he would say okay take this piece of fruit over or take me over or something and in the end this person would survive another same situation or situationally being that uh, the person uh, is dying another person who's dying he would say no let it be. He didn't say let it be. He would just say no. And I remember uh, Tuari telling, KC Tuari telling us at one time, he said that you know, there was a whole circumstance with an old lady who was passing and in pain and, and, and all of this got described to Maharaji and, and, and Tuari said, what are you, some kind of killer? <laughs> Knowing that he could do something about it and he wasn't, he was going to let her die. And Maharaji said something like, you have no idea of the reality of what this person's karma is. And in other words, to I, I think he even said, I don't know if it was in this case, but in another case, maybe, he said, if this person, if I was to intervene, and God knows what that really means, coming from a non-dual place, uh, a being living in that, uh, non-dual in a physical body, which is called a siddha in India, avadut. Uh, w- w- this person may have to run through lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of dealing with with something. I don't remember exactly what it might have been in this particular case, but it's not saving. <laughs> it is not saving to uh, do what you think is the right thing to do and, and to relieve suffering in this particular case because you have no idea of, 
a person's entire past karma, present and future. And uh, yeah, so it's all possible and not necessarily the way you think it should be is very much part of this, uh, what Ramdas is trying to get, get across. The other great thing, and I, because I had not heard this talk, I mean, there is three billion of them, and, you know, even though I've heard a lot of them because I've introduced all these podcasts, hundreds, hundreds, I don't even know how many, not to mention uh, having known Ram Dass most of my adult life and hearing all the stories. But here, there, he tells the story really well. And some of you probably know the story of Be Here Now. Now, this is uh, Be Here Now's 50th anniversary of its publication in uh, in 1971 and we were in India when the first um, sample came over was sent to Ramdas and Maharaji saw it and there's a whole story about how there was stuff printed in it that uh, was not correct and Ramdas didn't know that and uh, I won't get into the story but it, it's it's all about it, it, again it's a, a miraculous thing that happened with be here now that's really appropriate for the for the 50th anniversary um, so enjoy that it's uh, it's one of the last stories uh, in this uh, talk actually but um, yeah it just made me think of wow the reality of be here now millions of copies in people's hands, uh, it's just quite amazing. And we at Love, Serve, Remember, my di- uh, hat uh, as director, uh, we are going to be, a, uh, a, we just arranged to do a, a major celebration of the 50th anniversary uh, in the fall um, in Los Angeles. And you best to get on the ramdas.org mailing list and then you are going to get an invite uh, with all of the information about uh, joining if you're in the area. But it's going to be live streamed as well. Okay, I diverge. This is a great, uh, it's just a fun, fun talk from Ram Dass. Um, he tells these miracle stories. They're so, uh, you know, how great he is at all that. And uh, so I do think you're going to enjoy it. So this is Ramdas here and now, and it's uh, we're part of the Be Here Now network. Be here, go to beherenow.com. You can catch the show that I do, Mind Rolling, and uh, certainly uh, uh, so many Jack Cornfield, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, and. Um, Roshi Joan Halifax makes appearances. She's one of my favorites. Uh, Alan Watts is now there. Mirabai Bush is on there. Uh, it's, uh, it's very rich. So please check it out. And we will see you next week. This uh, Ma up in Nanital, old Ma, she's called Engineer Ma because she was married to an engineer. She was one of Maharaji's devotees for many years. She's a solid little woman. She speaks Hindi. She's in her 70s. So I went to visit her last year. And she took me up to the family temple up in the, one of the inside rooms upstairs. And she pointed to the place where Maharaji would sit. 
And she said one day, Maharaji came there, and she said her husband at the time, the engineer, was sick. He came in and he sat down, and a lot of children came, and there were a lot of people gathered in the room. And she brought some food to she had prepared for Maharaji, especially for him. And he said, Ma, feed the children first. Now, she, these children were local neighbor children, and she fed them all the time. And now she had made all this special food for Maharaji, and it would get spoiled because she didn't have any food ready for the kids. And she didn't want to give the, the kids the food she had prepared specially for Maharaji. So she was in a dither. Finally, she went downstairs to prepare food for the children with sort of anger in her heart towards the children. She prepared the food and she brought it up. And when she came in, she found that the children had left to go out and play. And Maharaji said to her, what had to be has come to pass. And the next day her husband died. That's the, that's the link in, your, in her mind now, 10 years later. In her mind, her anger towards those children, the inability to let go, the karma of that mind was what led to her husband's death. Now, I could talk to her till hell freezes over and tell her that may not be the way it is. But that's the message she got that she lives with. Not with guilt, but just with a, a kind of a, a sad understanding. At one point, Maharaji's in a house and there's an uncle who's blind and they say, everybody says, Maharaji, heal this man, heal this man. He says, no. He says, there used to be saints in the old days that could do this, but there's nobody around that does it anymore. And they said, oh, Maharaji, you can do it. Heal him, heal him. And as he's leaving the house, Maharaji says, I've got to go to the train. And as he's leaving, he turns to the blind uncle and he says to him, if by any chance God should give you your sight back, you're an old man and your kids are waiting to take over the business and it's been too long already. You give up the business and devote the rest of your life to God, which is a tradition in India. Oh, Maharaji, I will, I will. Maharaji left, and within 15 to 20 minutes, the man had a sight back. And the doctor came, and the doctor said, this is impossible that this man can have a sight back. This is clearly a miracle. Who did this? And they said it was Neem Karoli Baba, and he's on the train. And the doctor ran to the train and climbed on board and fell at Maharaji's feet. And Maharaji kept hitting him on the back, saying, this is the doctor who cured a blindness. This is the doctor who cured the blindness. <laughs> Three months later... The man couldn't resist, and he went back to work, and the next day he went blind. How tough do you want the game to be? That's tough. See? It's a tough game.
A man comes to Maharaji, his wife is sick, and he, Maharaji says, here, here's a stick, put it under her pillow. He puts the stick under the pillow, she gets better. They look under the pillow, the stick's gone. A man comes to Maharaji, he says, Maharaji, where's the stick? Maharaji says, you got your wife, what do you want the stick for? <laughs> another, man's, another man says, another man says, my mother is sick, Maharaji, give me a stick. Maharaji says, she's all, let her die. Maharaji's up in the mountains, and Dada, who's one of his very deep devotees, Dada's nephew, gets a case of smallpox and is dying from it. He's down on the plains, a couple of hundred miles away, and he comes to the point where he dies, and they lay him on the floor. And at that point, they think the only thing that could save him now was some Ganga water that had washed Maharaji's feet. So they took a drop of water and they stick it on his tongue and he sits up. At that moment in, in Hardwa, where Maharaji is, the mothers who were around him suddenly notice that he's broken out in spots all over his body. They are concerned, they go to the chemist and he gives them a lotion to calm them down, like with poison ivy or something, and they put it on and the next day it's gone and he says, oh, that was very good medicine, it cured my spots. Shirdi Sai Baba, a woman came with her dead baby and she said, Sherdy, bring my baby back to life. You can do that. And he turned to her and he said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't understand what you're asking. And you can feel how our own fear of death our fear of pain, our fear of suffering, makes us keep wanting to second-guess God. Say, it should be this way, not this way. You've screwed up again. <laughs> Only as the, the Tao says, eyes unclouded by longing can see. I wrote a letter to a couple whose daughter had been uh, murdered. She had been sexually molested and then murdered. She was 11 years old. And maybe tomorrow I'll read you the letter. But one of the lines in the letter was, only when you bear the unbearable do you die in a certain way that allows you to see as God sees and to love as God loves. Saints are often called the living dead. Maharaji was joyful, laughing, playful, 
a tremendous wise guy, a real rascal, and yet he was living dead. And because of that, he could hear what chutzpah to hear, you will live and you won't. You I can take on. At one point, he's at the home of his, the, the warden of those prisons of, of uh, U, 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 Uttar Pradesh. And in the middle of the night at 4 o'clock, he wakes them up and shakes them. He says, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And the man says, I'll get the car. And he says, no, 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 we'll walk. And the Maharaji walks barefoot down the street at 4 in the morning and walks through town from the Hindu fancy section into the poorer and poorer section of town and finally into a uh, very, very uh, extremely poor, dirty section that is a Muslim section. And he comes to a place which is some old corrugated tin between two other buildings that's got a little sort of hut, which got a little window in it. Maharaj is a big, vast being. Somehow he opens a little window and he's inside. And the other man is following along and is the one that's telling me the story. <laughs> and inside there is a boy about 10 years old who has typhoid fever. And he's shaking. And Maharaji gets, comes in and he walks over to the boy and he says, get up out of that bed, get up out of that bed. Very, very angry. The boy's never seen this guy before. The boy is very sick. He pushes himself off the bed. Maharaji immediately lies down on the bed and starts to snore. There is an old blind grandmother who takes care of the boy. Who's there? Who's there? The man that's with Maharaji says, it's a great saint mother that has come. And there is a moment of confusion in her mind, and then the next thing a Hindu thinks is, what can I offer him? And she, she's, there's nothing in the place. Which point Maharaji sits up and he sees that next to the boy's bed is a rusty tin can with water in it that the boy who's got typhoid fever has been drinking from. And he says, Mother, I'm very thirsty. And she comes over and she takes the can and she offers it to him. And Maharaji, who at that moment, he turns to this man who is Mr. Marocha, who's a Brahmin, and Brahmins... They only eat food prepared by other Brahmins and everything's got to be very pure. They don't even eat when you're around because your eyes could destroy it. <laughs> Maharaji turns to him and says, you want a drink? <laughs> and the guy says, oh no, Maharaji, that's all right. And Maharaji says, oh, and drinks and drinks and puts it down. He says, oh, my, thank you. That was so good. And he gets up and leaves. And the boy gets better. Why that one? What about the boy next door who died? How do you figure the game of what role all the miracles play in the dance? See, you can't figure it out 
You can just keep quieting down and quieting down and emptying and emptying and allowing them only to be a, a kind of um, message that it's all possible and that it's all other than the way you think it is. That's all. Just allow it to be that way. I mean, look at how my attitude towards money changes by the story about Maharaji and the arrogant sadhu. The arrogant sadhu comes to see Maharaji. Maharaji couldn't care less about anything. For years he was known as cracked pot baba. He went around naked with a piece of cracked earthenware pot he'd pick up off the ground wearing it on his head. And when he was hungry, he'd hold it out for food or he'd use it for water to wash or to go to the toilet. And then when it would break, he'd drop it and he'd find another piece of cracked pot. I mean, that's really right down to the basics, you know. See, and he had no name, so they called him Crack Pot Baba, among other names. They used to call him Latrine Baba because his mouth was so foul. He'd talk dirty talk all the time. Call anybody sister fuckers. So he's sitting one day in this temple that the devotees have built in order to lure him to hang out there. Because he once walks through and he says, it's a good place for a temple. So they build a temple and then he comes and hangs out. And the sadhu comes in and Maharaji is sitting on one of these things called a tucket. Well, this is a, a table, but it's sort of like a bed, a wooden bed. And everybody usually sits on the ground right there sort of as a mark of respect. And this man comes in, he sits down on the side of the tucket, and he says, you're a phony sadhu, you hold on to too many things. And all the people, the devotees, are ready to strangle this guy. And Maharaji says, wide-eyed, oh yeah? Yeah, I mean, you've got this big temple and all this stuff, and you've got your blanket and this table, and you hold on to too much. Oh, I do, huh? Like, please help me. The man is holding a shaligram. A shaligram is a stone. It's a, like an obsidian. It's a stone that is used for puja to Shiva. And it's found in certain rivers. And you can buy it in the marketplace for maybe four rupees, or you can find it in the river. And it's a very, it's something that you use. It's like a lingam. You use it as a worship. It's a rounded stone. Maharaji looks over. He says, that's a beautiful... Shalagram. Guy says, yes. Maharaji says, will you give it to me? <laughs> so the guy says, see, I knew you want everything. You're collecting everything. No, I need this. This is for my puja. I'm not going to give it to an impure person like you. Maharaji said, will you sell it to me? Guy said, sell it to you? Sell a shalagram? Maharaji says, I'll give you 40 rupees. See, it's worth four. You can see the guy's mind going. And he says, well, Maharaji, if you need it. Okay. So he gives it to Maharaji, and Maharaji gives him the 40 rupees. He borrows the 40 rupees from somebody. He gives it to the guy. The guy puts it in. Maharaji says, give me all your money. See, I knew it. I knew you weren't going to give me 40 rupees for this. So he gives him the 40 rupees back. Maharaji says, no, I want all your money. Maharaji, that's all the money I've got. He says, no, I want the 500 rupees you got pinned inside your shirt. 
So the guy very sheepishly opens his shirt and he takes out the 500 rupees he's got pinned there. And he says, Maharaji, that's all the money I've got in the world. Maharaji takes the 500 rupees and the 40 rupees and he puts it on the, um, the coal brazier right in front of him, like that. And it all goes up in flame. The guy starts to lose his cool completely. <laughs> Maharaji, that's all the money I have. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's screaming. Maharaji turns to him and he said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were so attached. <laughs> and with that, he picks up a pair of chumptas, tongs, and he reaches into the fire and he picks out 540 new rupee notes. And he hands it to the guy. And the guy gets off the tucket and sits on the floor. <laughs> Swami Muktananda's guru, Swami Nityananda, just like Maharaji, another Avadut Siddhyoga, a beyond form, a Mashugana. He's got all these workmen building these little villages and he says to them, on the way home, pick up any stone and your two rupees pay will be there. Only one stone to a person, but any stone you want. So they're going home and they pick up a stone and there's two rupees. So after some time, a police sergeant or lieutenant, I guess, and his sergeant appear. And they're very uh, apologetic. Babaji, because he's a great Baba in that area. Babaji, um, we're somewhat concerned. All of your workmen have these new rupee notes and we don't know where they're printed. And we're afraid there's something illegal going on. Nityananda, oh, oh, I understand. Oh, that's terrible. Come, I'll show you. He starts to walk into the jungle. And they're following him, and they go deeper and deeper into the jungle. And they come to a lake in which there are crocodiles. He walks into the lake, and he calls one of the crocodiles over. And he opens the crocodile's mouth and reaches in and starts to put rupee notes out. <laughs> and the policemen run away, and that's the end of the story. Now, you take those stories. See? I'm sitting there one day, and Maharaji, I'm sitting here, and Maharaji's here, and there's this old lady, old Indian lady comes, you know, shaking up to Maharaji. And she slowly sits down, and she's very arthritic, and she unties the end of her sari. And she takes out three crunkled rupee notes. And she unfolds them and she puts them on the tucket. And Maharaji says, Nema, Nema, take it back. And so she reaches with arthritic hands and she takes it and she folds it up and she puts it in her sari and ties it to the end. And then Maharaji looks at me and he turns to her and he says, no, give me the three rupees. So she unties the thing and she <laughs> takes out the three rupees and he hands them to me who's sitting with thousands of dollars of traveler's checks in my pocket. He says, here, these are for you. Interesting one, isn't it? So you take the three notes, and people say, he's given you a boon. You will always have money. So what do you do? You hold on to the three rupees? Right at that time, there was this old fruit vendor and his wife in the town, very old Muslim couple, who used to come and visit me, and they'd bring fruit to me. 
for some reason, they treated me with great love and respect, and that was very nice. And then they were going to move down to a village, and they were so poor, and they were going to open a shop in another town, and they had no money, and they were in such horrible, I said to them, look, here's a rupee note that came from my guru. Hold on to that, and everything will be cool. I've never seen them again. I don't know anything about it. I've got two left. I'm just sharing the story with you. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no punchline to it. Maharaji's in, uh, there, there's a couple that are very close to Maharaji and they've got two young children and they were with Maharaji earlier in the day and then they come home to their house up in the hills in Nanital and they prepare a very simple meal for the four of them, the wife does. And she's about to put it on the table when the little girl is looking out the window and she says, oh, Maharaji's coming, Maharaji's coming. She yells at Maharaji, come in and visit our house, come in and visit our house. And the family's saying, shh, shh, because they say, we've had so much of Maharaji today, leave him alone, don't bother him. Maharaji hears and he says, yes, come on, come on, everybody. And he's traveling with about 20 people. And they all walk into the house and they sit down and he says, feed us, we're very hungry. It's like eight o'clock at night, they're up in the hills, the bazaar is all closed, there's no flour, there's nothing in the house except some flour, and there's this little pot of food for four people. The husband and wife are out in the kitchen freaking. <laughs> the husband, who was a devotee for many years, says, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? The wife, who has the real nachas, the real wisdom, she says, look, you just trust Maharaji. Take this pot. Don't look inside. Just feed everybody. So she makes chapatis. And they go out and they says, would you like some sabji, some vegetables? Yes, enough. No, I'd like some more. Okay. And he doesn't look in. He just keeps feeding. And the pot feeds 25 people. And at the end, Maharaji says, that was a very good dinner. That was a very good dinner. Okay, everybody, let's go. <laughs> I've got um, hundreds of these kind of stories. See what they do to your minds. Watch how they play with what reality is about. Look at the way they give you a feeling of the whimsy of the universe. I had a teacher, Haridas Baba. I'll stop after this one. Haridas was, uh, Maharaji gave Haridas to me right after I got to India the first time as my teacher, and he taught me incredible Hatha Yoga and Raja Yoga. He's a very, very uh, good yogi. He's a good yogi, a sattvic yogi. Right after I left India that year, he and Maharaji had a terrible fight, and they parted company. Haridas had a lot of difficulties after that, and I felt like my parents had gotten divorced. I was in America, and I sent money for Haridas to come to America because he had met some Westerners by then, and he wanted to come, and he came on a four-month visa. And during this four months, he came, but at that time, I went back to India, and I was with Maharaji, and Maharaji started to taunt me about this. 
Oh, you took Haridas to America. And he was telling me Haridas is no good and he's a phony and he was, oh, he was doing terrible things. And I was getting more and more angry at Maharaji for being critical of Haridas. He was just playing with my mind. And then he said to me, he said, you keep Haridas in America for five years. I said, Maharaji, I can't control. Uh, that's immigration department. I have no say over that. I, don't, I have no power in the government. He says, I kept Bhagwan Das for seven years. You keep Haridas for five years. I, well, Maharaji, if I could, I would, but I can't. I go back to the hotel where I'm staying and two fellows have arrived who have been looking around to meet me and they've followed the path and they've come to this hotel. And I said, look, you've come to meet me, but you might as well re meet the real thing. My guru's only eight miles away. So the next day they go see Maharaji and they have two days and he gives them names and they like him. And they come back and they say, it's wonderful. We've seen you guru and we've seen you and now we're leaving. And one of them says, is there anything I can do for you? I said, well, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a pot lawyer in Los Angeles. I said, no, I don't know anybody that's in on a pot charge, but it's nice to know. I said, I really don't have any legal problems at this moment. I said, the only thing that's bugging me is that Maharaji said I'm supposed to get a permanent visa for Haridas Bhava. And those are hard to get. I don't know how to get that. And he says, isn't that interesting? He said, my brother-in-law is the director of the Western Division of Immigration in the United States. He says, I'll just drop him a note. There'll be nothing to it. Now, would you smell a paw in the monkey in the works? Would you suspect that there was some skullduggery afoot? Or would you just say, oh, well, chance works in strange and mysterious ways? Just that one more. I, that follows into the other one I got to tell of. <laughs> of the Be Here Now incident. I did Be Here Now, that book. And then Maharaji, I gave a copy to Maharaji. It disappeared into the bowels of his inner world. And then about three months later, he called me up and he said, Ramdas, you print lies. I said, Maharaji, everything in that book's the truth. Nay, you print lies. And this, this is a setup. This is like a setup. He says, you say here that Haridas Baba built the temples. I said, well, I understood he did. I don't know who told me, but somebody had told me, and I put Haridas Baba built the temple. So he calls the guy that's saying, he says, come here. Who are you? He says, you know who I am, Maharaji. I'm the man that builds all your temples. Does Haridas Baba build the temples? No, Maharaji. He helped me pour concrete, but he didn't build the temples. Oh, go away. He said, you said, Maharaj, you said here Haridas went into the jungle when he was eight years old. I said, well, I was told he went into the jungle when he was eight years old. Calls the guy over. He says, who are you? He says, I'm the head of the forestry department of India. Do you know Haridas Baba? Yes, he worked as a clerk in my office until 1963. Aha, uh -huh. so he went into the jungle when he was eight years old. See? And he was, what he had was all this, these kind of people to prove that all these things were lies. And they ended up being two paragraphs of lies, which were not lies I merely misunderstood. I had, somebody had told me these stories and I had printed them and they weren't true, apparently. Who would know? Would you care? You know, this book is in English. It's in America. Who's to notice? Big deal. Maharaji says, well, what are you going to do about it? I hadn't planned to do anything about it. I said, well, I'll change it. He says, you do that. 
He said, as long as you think something is true, there's no karma. But once you know it's false and you continue to print it, then there's karma. So I go back and the book is being printed by a printing, uh, a printing press in company in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the publisher is our commune in north of Taos, up in the mountains, called the Lama Foundation. And there's no telephone up there. So I cable them. Or I write a letter and I say, I know you're about to do another printing of 30,000 copies. In the next printing, would you delete the following two paragraphs about Haridas? Now, by this time, to make the story more interesting, Haridas has been invited to Lama and is the darling of Lama. They've never met Maharaji. So they are very angry that I'm asking them to take out these paragraphs about Haridas. So I get a letter back saying, we don't agree that they should be taken out. However, we would take them out, but when I got your letter, I had just gotten back from Albuquerque after two days on the road, and as I was leaving Albuquerque, the printer had put the job on the web press, the press that does the whole book sort of at once. He had put all the plates on, and he was going to run it when I left. And by now, it's all run, and it gets run and bound, and we would have to throw out 30,000 copies to rechange those two paragraphs. So we'll change it in the next printing, which is a reasonable thing to do. The letter arrives in Nanital, which is up in the hills, and I pick it up at the post office at around 7.30 in the morning, just before I catch the bus out to the temple, which is eight miles away. I put the, the letter in my jola, come out, arrive at the temple, walk in the temple. I'm walking towards Maharaji. Maharaji is screaming in Hindi. What does the letter say? What does the letter say? Now, how does he know there's a letter? And if he knows there's a letter, he must know what it says. So you can feel like you're being had somehow or other in the whole thing. Right? So I say to him, well, the letter says that uh, the job has already been printed and they will change it in the next printing. Maharaji looks at me out of the corner of his eye. He says, do it now. So I said, well, Maharaji, you don't understand. The 30,000 are all printed and the web press works this way and it's all bound and to do it now would be a loss of, and I thought of in money and then in 30,000, $3, that's $90,000, and then you change it into rupees, that's 72,000 rupees. I said, that would be a loss of 72,000 rupees. Maharaji says, do it now. Money and truth have nothing to do with one another. Jiao, go do it. Okay. So he throws me out of the temple. And I'm not touching money in those days. So I thumb up to town because I can't afford a bus. And I thumb up to town. And I go to the cable office where I can send a cable and charge it. <laughs> <laughs> and I send a cable to the Lama Foundation says... This book, Be Here Now, is Maharaji's book. Came out of his ashurbad, his blessing. And if he says change it, you change it. And change it now, even if you have to lose all the money and throw away all those books. And I'll make good to you later on on the money you lose. I get a letter back from Steve Durkee about two weeks later saying the most interesting thing happened. 
When I went to the post office and got your cable, in the same mail was a letter from the printer. He had put the job on the press, and as he was putting it on the last part on the press, one page was missing, one plate was missing. So he went back into his files where he had the whole original of the book to get the original page to make a new plate, and the original of that page was missing. Nothing else was missing. That page was a picture of Maharaji. And because he didn't know what to do, he took the whole job off the press and was waiting for further instructions. So the whole cost of this whole thing was one telephone call. But I had to go through the point where I gave up the thousands of dollars, learned the lesson. When I came back to tell Maharaji about it, he wasn't the least bit interested. I said, Maharaji, and the thing wasn't... And he acted like I was out of my head. <laughs> okay, everybody, that's enough. Um... Have you heard the music that no fingers enter into? Far inside the house, ent entangled music, connected with everything. What is the sense of leaving your house? Suppose you scrub your ethical skin until it shines, but inside there is no music. Then what? Mohammed's son pours over words and points out this and that. But if his chest is not soaked dark with love, then what? The yogi comes along in his famous orange. But if inside he is colorless, then what? Kabir says, every instant that the sun is risen, if I stand in the temple or on a balcony, in the hot fields or in a walled garden, my own Lord is making love with me. It's an old familiar one for you poem by Charles Cosley from the Norman Crucifix. It's written on the crucifix. I am the great sun, but you do not see me. I am your husband, but you turn away. I am the captive, but you do not free me. I am the captain, you will not obey. 
I am the truth, but you will not believe me. I am the city where you will not stay. I am your wife, your child, but you will leave me. I am that God to whom you will not pray. I am your counsel, but you do not hear me. I am the lover whom you will betray. I am the victor, but you do not cheer me. I am the holy dove whom you will slay. I am your life, but if you will not name me, seal up your soul with tears and never blame me. Kabir says, every instant that the sun is risen, if I stand in the temple or on a balcony, in the hot fields or in a walled garden, my own Lord is making love with me. Maharaji's caress, the laughter, the gentle laughter, the play. The leela, the dance, the sport, the sweetness, the horrible beauty of Shiva. Have a quiet and peaceful and good night. Namaste. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.